0: Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, New York, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Today our topic is meaningful work in the digital age. And we want to resource you as best as possible in, in all these areas that we're talking about. And so part of doing that, if you grab your program that you got in there, there is this little card that talks about the Global Leadership Summit. This is gonna be happening here August, uh, August 8th, August 11th and 12th rather, August 11th and 12th, and it's just a few months. And so um, check this video out and we'll talk more about it.
1: Leadership is hard work. If you aren't actively cultivating yourself as a leader, chances are you're losing ground. You may not even be aware of it, but the people around you can feel it and your team can feel it as well. Your leadership cannot stay here. You've got to move yourself toward there. Several years back, I found myself in a leadership slump. Slumps happen, you know. Managers get into slumps, teams get into slumps, leaders get into slumps too, and I was in a slump. And it took intentionality on my part to move myself out of the slump into a better place. That's why my team and I make it a priority every year to be actively engaged with the Global Leadership Summit. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Summit is a two-day infusion of vision, inspiration, and practical skills so that you can take your leadership from here to there. I'm very excited about the diverse faculty joining us at this year's Summit. They bring a blend of high-challenge ideas and fresh perspectives that will invigorate your leadership and provide tools that you can immediately apply. You'll learn how to be selective in executing the ideas that matter most identify key ingredients of successful turnarounds, instill and reward virtues that accelerate teamwork, navigate cultural differences using the most effective methods possible, harness the power of emotional intelligence, and build cultures that value efficiency and effectiveness. The full lineup for our 2016 summit includes Melinda Gates, Alan Mullally, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Horst Schulze, Dr. Travis Bradbury, Erin Meyer, Wilfredo DeJesus, Patrick Lencioni, Chris McChesney, Danielle Strickland, Jossie Chaco, John Maxwell, and myself. Everyone wins when a leader gets better, but what about when an entire team gets better? Independent research shows that 83% of leaders who attend consecutive years of the summit experience improved teamwork, increased job satisfaction, and greater productivity. Do whatever it takes to bring your entire team to the summit. And when you do, you'll find it has an exponential effect on your entire organization, and you'll become more effective as a leader taking your organization from here to there. See you at the summit.
0: So this is gonna be at a variety of different sites around America. There's three, um, and the world, quite frankly, there's three sites in Phoenix, we're one of them. And it's going to really be an amazing thing. When he talks about 83%, that statistic he's had of teams report that their leadership and their team functions better. We've been taking our staff to this thing for the past several years. And even before then, we've skipped a few years here and there, but consistently over the past few years. And I can tell you it's true. Um, We as a a staff go. And it's not just for churches. It's for every kind of business enterprise, for every kind of person. And really, this is going to be the thing that we do over the summer. This is our big event. So we're going to be prepping for this. We're going to be ramping up for this. And this is a huge tool. Oftentimes, um, businesses and companies that you work for will let you come to this kind of thing, even though it's on a Thursday and Friday, to let you get off work, because it's part of improving your leadership or improving your skills. And, you know, sometimes companies will sponsor it or whatever else. So be thinking about that and also be thinking about who you're going to invite. See, oftentimes we do stuff here that's like we say well, we're going to go out and meet needs in our community. A lot of times we think material needs. But truthfully, a lot of times, people don't have a lot of material needs. They have other needs as well. And one of them is like, how do I get better at my job? How do I get better at what I do? This kind of stuff helps you with that, and it kind of leads people to the well. So this really is an outreach for us. Not every person that you're going to hear speaking is going to be a Christian per se, but the message that you get overall is going to be that leadership is something that that um we do and that is has a very christian foundation to it when it really comes down to it so it's very interesting thing i want you guys to think about it and also you might be saying to yourself well i'm not really a leader like i don't consider myself a leader but let me tell you something if you're a father you're a leader if you're a mother you're a leader okay um if you're a school teacher you're a leader most of the time and by the way if you're a christian you're a leader because you should be setting an example for other people to follow. And this is going to kind of help you with that. So make sure and take this. And um, we'll have opportunities to volunteer as well. If you just want to be a volunteer, you can do that too. We're going to need a lot of that. But we're, I'm, I'm excited. We're inviting everybody to this thing. And it's going to be really cool. So um, And you want to go to the connection point and get more, more uh, flyers and materials to hand out to people. But more than anything else, it's going to help make work more meaningful. And that's what we want to talk about today. This is like one of the most important topics. It's so near and dear to my heart because I've thought about this a lot. And, and this whole subject just really fascinates me because this is a very hard thing to do to find meaningful work, especially in the digital age. And so the, we're, that's, that's why we're calling this, uh, this sermon, a Meaningful Work in the Digital Age. Because the reality is we were made not just to do work, not just some job that you go and slave out and go same stuff, different day. We were actually made to have meaning and purpose in our lives when it comes to work. In fact, I would say that we were made to find joy, to find joy in producing things of value through our own creativity, effort, and ability. That God made us with the desire and the, uh, the, the drive to find joy in producing things of value through our own creativity, effort, and ability. It could be everything from keeping a well-manicured lawn to to a really clean floor to an excellent classroom or a a new kind of scientific discovery or a new product or keeping a neighborhood safe or a district safe to to any kind of thing, to managing other employees or starting a new business or, or coaching a baseball team. No matter what it is, we were made to find joy in using our effort and using our ingenuity, and our creativity, and our drive to make something that's valuable that people can see and understand and know and appreciate. And this all starts from the very beginning. This is part of our nature, how we were wired. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him, this is Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to hang out and do nothing for the rest of his life. No, I didn't say that. It didn't say that. It says to work it and to keep it. In other words, to to labor to use the raw material that God had made and basically Adam was to begin taking over. You got trees, you got flowers, you got, you know, whatever grass and everything, all these materials You take all that stuff and you make something out of it and then to to work it and to keep it, to be in charge of it, to have responsibility over it. And so this idea of having ownership of something is so core to who we are. But the problem is it's getting more and more difficult to actually do meaningful work because of the distractions Um, that are around us all the time that are brought about by the digital age and the multitasking kind of mentality that we have. In fact, it's coming to the point where it's impossible for us to filter out what is relevant and irrelevant information. For example, I went on BuzzFeed last week for a few minutes. And if you go on BuzzFeed.com, it is the source of a lot of the clickbait articles that you'll get that are shared onto like Facebook and this kind of thing. And if you don't know what clickbait is, it's basically articles that are designed to have you click as many times as you can so those companies will get more advertising revenue. So I went on BuzzFeed just to see what was trending at that particular moment. And these are the really important stories that you could read that I found on. BuzzFeed are you ready here it goes 22 sofas that look like a million bucks that's important you can see pictures of 22 different sofas that look like they would cost a million dollars how about this one I Snapchatted my way through the Harry Potter studio tour and it was amazing this is important right Serena Williams ate dog food and had a poop attack This is an article that you can read and you can share to have your friends read too. And then, um, I don't know who this guy is, DJ, whoever, gets super nervous whenever he's in the presence of Beyonce. Did you know that? You better, you you need to know that today. These are 16 things you need to know today. And if you don't know them, you're out of the loop. Now you read these stories, you can't get those minutes back, folks. Those are gone. That's it. You're older now after you've spent time doing this. And this is stuff that you can click on. All of this is content that is destroying our ability to concentrate. So much so that a guy named Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. And his thesis is basically that the digital age, um, that in the digital age, success belongs to the person who knows how to concentrate. He says, look, I'm not trying to make a, he's not coming at it from a Christian perspective. He says, I don't have a moral dog in the fight. I'm just saying, if you want to get ahead, And if you want to be successful, you're going to figure out a way to concentrate because no one around you is. Everyone around you is losing their ability to actually focus on things that are meaningful and important. And if you can figure out how to mentally focus yourself, you will squash the competition because that's where we are. He cites research by a guy named... um, Uh, Clifford Nass, who is a Stanford communications professor, who says that constant attention switching online has a lasting negative effect on your brain. Constant switching online has a lasting negative effect on your brain. He goes on to say this to this conclusion that he's come to. People who multitask all the time can't filter out irrelevancy. They can't manage a working memory. They're chronically distracted. They're pretty much mental Rex. And they, he, they go on to say that if you cannot sit in a restaurant for five minutes waiting for a friend without checking your phone, your brain is fried. You have gotten so addicted to distraction that you have lost the ability to truly focus. And as Newport talks about, stretching your capacity to its limit. Now, this is really a problem, you guys, because I see it in my own life. You know, I think about the work that I'm supposed to do for you, that you come here And you spend your precious Sunday mornings getting your children out of bed and getting them ready to come to church and putting on your clothes, hopefully, and coming to church and sitting here and hopefully you're going to hear something for 40 minutes that's going to be worth listening to. And that takes an incredible amount of concentration. And I fight this kind of stuff in my own life all the time. So it was very, very interesting for me to ask myself, Jacobs, are you stretching yourself to your capacity, to your limit, to your creativity, to the to the person that God's made you to be? You see, guys, this is a soul problem. We This is serious. We have a soul problem here. Because... We're missing out on who we are and what we were made to become because we are flatlining ourselves mentally by becoming addicted on reading stuff and occupying our minds with stuff that just doesn't matter. There was a time when it would not be weird to sit at a coffee shop or sit in at a lobby somewhere and just sit. Now people think that you're psycho. What's that guy doing? He's just sitting there. I don't even think he has a phone. What's he going to do? He's crazy. He's just staring at the wall. We've lost this ability. Now why do we need to deal with this? Let me tell you a few theological reasons. Because... So much of this stuff, guys, we have to reprogram back into our psyche. We have to reprogram back into our soul because we basically have lost so many of these things. So why we why must we deal with this? Number one, because we were made to be like God, okay? And God finds joy in meaningful work. Did you know that? That you and I were not made to be like the animals, all day you get how we have animal characteristics and we're so much like a horse and we're so much like a monkey and we're so much like this or whatever kind of DNA we have similarity similarities to, no. We were made to be like God because we were created in the image of God, which means as we live, we reflect Him, we mirror Him, we remind people of Him. Our existence is evidence of His existence. That is the way it's supposed to be. And one of the characteristics you see about God right out of the gate, right out of Genesis, is that He is absolutely captivated, engrossed, and wrapped into His work. He loves His work. This is amazing. You see God makes this entire universe, the constellations and and the stars and the planets and the asteroids and all the way down to our one little tiny third rock, you know, from the sun and he makes the trees and the the animals and the water and then of course all of the the, um, the, the biological foundations, the building blocks of the atoms and the molecules and all the little foundations of that and the subatomic particles. He creates time. He creates this amazing um, universe of ingenuity and brilliance and sophistication. And what we see in, in, the, in the scripture is that not only did he work, but he found joy in his work. And when you read Genesis 1, and it's so sad that Genesis 1 is, being, is dismissed by people who pretend to be so smart when there's so much truth and wisdom in it. And when you read it, I never read this before, but in studying for this passage, when I was reading Genesis 1, something jumped out at me. And then when it says in Genesis 1, he says, and God saw everything that he had made and, bef- and behold, it was very good. Now that is totally inspirational when you think about it from the standpoint of the fact that we were made in the image of God to reflect the image of God. Let me ask you, when you get done with your day, When you get done with your day, can you look back on it and say, what I did today was good. What I did today was very good good. What I did today was meaningful. Do you have the capacity? Do you have the opportunity to look back on the time that you spent working and say, I did well today. I produced something today. I moved the ball forward today. Now I understand not every day is going to be like that. I certainly don't have every day like that at all. But there but there should be many times, especially in an economy like ours, or in a, in a, in a market like ours, in a, in a system like ours, that doesn't oppress people but wants to try to keep them as free as possible you know you have government regulations everywhere but you're still trying to be the freest place on the planet there should be something in you that is able to look back and say i contributed something good today or do we look back and go between all the videos i watched and between the forwarded emails and between the little goofy little laughs about sharing this and sharing that i don't know what i got done today that's not good for the soul that's not good for our hearts we weren't made to just skip along the surface. And that's what technology um, in the digital age is, is allowing us to do. It's not the root cause. The root cause is, is our own lack of focus, and, but it's making it so much easier. It's like, it's like uh, you know, offering drugs to someone. They get hooked, and more and more, it's so easy to get hooked on this kind of stuff. Second, this is a very important thing, is we have been redeemed for the purpose of, of meaningful work. In other words, one of the reasons Jesus died for us is not so that we would spend the rest of our lives just kind of getting by, but that we would actually stop and go, God, what is it that you want me to do while I'm here? And how do I squeeze every moment that I possibly can and throw myself into the tasks at hand? Look at um, Ephesians chapter two, and starting with verse eight, it says, for by grace you've been saved. This is, one, this is like one of our main verses, like our Magna Carta verse. It's not by works you've been saved. It's by grace you've been saved, okay? So we know this through faith. And then it, and it goes on, but then it says it right after. It says, for we are his workmanship, check this out, created in Christ Jesus, for good works. Now, this is created there. The idea is we were made, but also there's that idea of redemption as well. We weren't just created and left. We were created. Jesus died for us, and we were been recreated. Why? For this purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's like stuff that we're supposed to do with our lives that's significant and important and don't confuse that with being famous or being recognized by all these people but but doing things that stretch your capacity whether it's physical or mental or whatever it is that push you that drive you that make you reach for higher and better and more noble things throughout the course of your life. This is good stuff and it's one of the reasons that Jesus died for us and I think it has huge implications. We need to be Asking the question, what what is important right now? You know? And it's probably not watching that video about a panda. You know what I mean? Or anything else. Like, watch the dog slither off the couch. I watched that one going around for a while. You know? And it's like, watch. You have to see this. And stuff like this that you're going, this, this doesn't add anything to my life. And I'm not saying that once in a while you can't t- take a break and have a little mental unwinding. I totally understand that. But I think you and I all agree that there's something that we've got to deal with here, this whole issue of what has God called us to do. And number three, we will do, this is the perhaps the most kind of jarring one, we will do meaningful work for all of eternity. Did you know that? We will do meaningful work for all of eternity. And this is kind of the, the mind blower. The stuff that you and I start on earth, the way that we develop ourselves, the, the things that we come to know and understand and the, the skills and talents and abilities that we create, is part becomes part of who we are. We don't start with a blank slate in heaven. We don't. We continue on in that. And there's this idea, and it's reflected kind of in 1 Corinthians 3 a little bit, the idea of, of there's, like a, there's a judgment, but not, that for believers, there's a believer's judgment, not one of like, are you going to heaven or hell, because that's already been decided, but almost like an evaluation, and the things that were done in the body on earth that, that, were, that were good things kind of carry over and kind of make it through that refining fire. It kind of makes it through and passes through where the things that, that didn't really matter much, that were just kind of wasteful or, or wrong or just kind of lame, those things just kind of burn up. They just kind of evaporate because they weren't really worth anything. But the things that are done here on earth of value, those things carry through. And we don't totally understand that. But what we, we do know that we will be for all of eternity um, building and 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 learning and growing in our capacity in a never-ending kind of way why because it goes back to the very beginning because that's what god does god is always working god is in that and he finds joy in his work why would we not follow suit in our own lives for all of eternity and by the way this goes to those of us too who maybe have retired and you're like well you know i don't really work anymore so and i, and I know that i have a couple guys and there's one guy he's not he's not in our church. So I can, I don't mean to pick on him, but, you know, he's a a, a, a good guy. He's a retired guy, but he sends me these, like, emails all the time. You know, I don't mind getting a a couple forwarded emails so, like, don't feel bad, but I'm just saying, like, the rate of it, and it's just, like, this trivial stuff, and it's, like, political, and it's, like, doesn't really matter, and it just goes on and on, and some of it's kind of mean-spirited. I'm like, dude, what are you doing with yourself? Contrast that with a woman who is in our church who is in her 70s. She just wrote a book. In fact, it's up on the screen right here. You can see it. It's called Worth the Wait by Kiki Halupnik. She just, she just wrote a book. I, see, I didn't even know if she's been coming to our church for years. And all of a sudden, you know, she sent out this email or I see someone on Facebook that says, I wrote a book. I'm like, I went up to her last week and went, you wrote a novel? She goes, yeah. In her, in her, in her 70s. It's the first book she's ever written. And it's, it's, it's got a, it's a good, uh, I think it's Thomas Nelson Publisher. It's a good publisher. And it's a novel. And, and it's got a Christian message, but it's kind of like a regular kind of a story kind of a thing. You should buy it. You should read it. Go write a kind review. I mean, I tell you, there's, there's someone who hasn't been spending her afternoons watching The View. She got a few things done, didn't she? That's inspirational to me. That's someone in our church. That's really cool. Working. Stretching yourself. Trying stuff. So, how do we do this? How do we fight the digital age and really produce things of value through our own creativity and our initiative and our ability? Well, in Colossians 3.23, it kind of answers it for us, and it's a pretty amazing verse. In the midst of it, the Apostle Paul is telling us in the midst of Colossians 3, he's saying these are the things that make a Christian life look amazing. You know, these are the things that you have to do. And, And one of the things that he says... And it's even in the midst, and you have to understand something. There was slavery back in the time of, um, of Christ, okay? But it, it wasn't always, and some, some of it was oppressive, but it wasn't always the way we think of slavery here in our country. Um, a lot of times it was like a willingness it was like'm I'm, I'm, I'm poor, I have nothing and I'm gonna go work for this person and I'm gonna basically live in their compound for the rest of my life and I'm not they're not they weren't always mistreated oftentimes they were treated very well oftentimes they, they could be, could have been set free but they chose to stay so slavery um, so when we talk about um, you know slaves obey your masters, it wasn't always referring to the kind of oppressive slavery that we d- that we absolutely had here in America so you have to Sometimes people read into that and they will say Christianity um, approves of slavery. It doesn't, not at all. Um, Christianity has been the most liberating religion ever to be invented in all of human history. But that being said, so this is in the context even of saying, hey, those of you guys that are bond servants, those of you guys that work for your masters, you need to work this way as well. So not just people that had free, you know, freely, uh, free employment, that sort of thing. And it says this, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. So whatever you do, work at it heartily. Now I chose that particular translation because that word heartily is really important. And if you, the, the Greek word is the word suke, which is where you get like word your word like psyche or psychology from. And the, and the technical definition of the word is soul. It's like the deepest part of who you are. In fact, one, one dictionary translated as the seat and center of the inner human life. So, like, you can't get any deeper and more core to who you are than this word, um, suke, which is translated heartily. So, in other words, he's saying work in such a way that stretches yourself to your very full capacity, where you get to the end of your limit, your absolute full potential. Now, I understand that we have all kinds of limitations and we have all kinds of, there's all kinds of questions about, well, I can't do it because this and I can't do that. I know that there's some challenges and we have different things that we can and can't do because of certain limitations or whatever else. But there, there is an idea that whatever, you know, on a Monday or a Friday or a Wednesday, you and I can get up and wherever we are in our job, wherever we are in our life, we can say, God, today I want to work as though I'm working for you with my whole soul. Even if I work for the biggest jerk in the world, even if I work for the worst company in the world, I'm going to try to work as though I'm working for you, and I'm going to give it everything that I absolutely have got. And so what does that mean? Well, let me give you a few things. First of all, it means I give my full self to what I am doing. In fact, in the Revised Standard Version, the same verse is translated, whatever your task, put yourselves into it. It's the same kind of thing. Now, I was thinking about this. Can you imagine if God had a smartphone when He was making the Earth? Like I was thinking about that. Can you imagine He's sitting there and He's doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden He's like, "I got to figure out a way for human beings to reproduce, you know, and make more." And all of a sudden He's concentrating. He's like, "Oh, I know. Well, like, we'll I have a man and a woman, and I'm like, mm, that could be kind of that could be. I wonder how that that could be like really really cool." And all of a sudden He gets this like little buzz and it's oh. Oh, look, they took the archangel Michael out for lunch for his birthday. What a cool picture they just sent me. I like that. That's great. Oh, that's really funny. Now, where was I? Something about reproduction. I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm just going to chuck babies down onto the earth. That's how we'll do it. Now, that would have been a terrible tragedy if God had been distracted like that. They say, Tim, that's a ridiculous example, but it's not. Because how many times have you been onto something that takes a little while for you to really think about? And all of a sudden something comes in and you can can distract your attention. And I'll tell you, those of you that are in those kind of knowledge-based jobs, you know... You're trying to solve a problem. You're trying to figure something out. You're trying to figure out what do I do next. You can't solve that in five minutes. You can't think for a minute and then go watch a video. You can't think for a minute and then answer a text. You can't think for a minute and answer an email. You've got to give your whole self your whole attention, and it's mentally very difficult if you haven't been doing it for a long time. I know for me, like I just, I, and as I was reading Cal Newport's book, and there was a lot of things I decided to do, like I used to have this automatic settings on my computer, so I'd be typing a sermon, and all of a sudden an email would notica- notification pop up on my screen, and I'm like, I have a really good point here, and it says, oh my gosh, you got to answer this now, and there's something with whatever, and I'm like, oh, I better, I better click on that and see what that's about, and I completely lost my point. That doesn't just affect me that affects you because maybe it was something really good and I can't get it back and I can't share it with you so for me it's very important that I have that I so I had to shut off all my notifications Um, I had I in in fact my wife even she did this she took Facebook off of her phone and other social media off her phone because she got tired of everything popping up all the time. I leave it on my phone, and the only reason, quite frankly, I'm on Facebook a lot of times is because of what I do here. I mean, I, I love you guys, but we have to push out content. We want to make sure we're staying on your radar screens from like week to week to week. So we try to put stuff out and stay on, on your pages and stuff like that. But because of my job, that's why I'm on Facebook. But quite frankly, if I didn't have, if I wasn't a pastor, I'm not sure it would even be a really that great a use of my time to even be on Facebook, to be honest with you. So I, I do it partly a lot because of my job. So I, I've even like, so how do I limit this? But it's still a struggle. So, p- so for some of you, you're gonna have to get ruthless. I went and I, I unsubscribed, I found out, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna unsubscribe to everything that I get because I used to get these emails every day about, you know, 20% off if you order now. I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I, I unsubscribed from 50 different companies, 50. I was counting them, unsubscribed, unsubscribed. they somehow got my email and, I, and I'd realized how many times I'd gone through and I was spending all this time deleting. I can't manage. it. That's just too much for my little brain to manage. So I became ruthless and you know the little thing Oh, are you sure you want to say goodbye to us? Yes, bam You're gone. Don't you want to get daily updates of what's happening in the world? No. Goodbye. I don't care I can't manage that stuff. I have I have this church, you know, I got my Air Force stuff I got my family I don't care about you I don't have time for you sorry I got I, somehow you got my email just get rid of that stuff and so so I can focus is driving me crazy and some of you guys just, you can never have a 201 or 301 or 401 thought because you can't get the space because there's always something coming in you got to be ruthless so you can throw your whole self into these things whatever job you have you know the idea, and again, Newport talks about this in his book, is the idea of like a craftsman. That's kind of a lost art in our, in our days, becoming a craftsman. You know, someone who can just sit there and, and spend time like, you know, these guys that make swords or whatever else out in, the, out in a barn, out in a field somewhere, and they're just in their little shop, and, they, and they, they're totally focused on their craft, and the, the slightest distraction will mess up everything, and we've kind of lost that. And yet I think it's part of who we are is to become excellent at whatever we do and not letting ourselves. And so part of it's just like taking time. I'm, I'm going to spend, I'm going to do email, you know, this time, and I'm going to do a little social media at this time, but I'm not going to let it constantly invade my eight hours that I work or whatever else. And that kind of leads me to my second point. Sec- set a rhythm to your life. I got to set a rhythm, rhythm to my life. See, there's a reason why God set set the world in motion on a 24-hour cycle. You know, like where every day you, you, you have to, you know, you go to bed, you wake up. And you ever thought about this? There's something beautiful about the sun setting, and not just the fact that we have great sunsets here in Arizona, but there's something beautiful about the fact that God just engineers into nature a big, giant clue that says it's time to power down. It's time to shut it off. And you know, a lot of us take our work home with us because we're so busy. And even the studies say that that's not effective. What's effective is throwing your whole self into your task, into your work, and then when it's time to be done, you be done. And you shut it off, and you trust God that these things will deal with themselves tomorrow. That's why Jesus says, and it's a brilliant verse for the digital age, what Jesus says, Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do what you can do today and let tomorrow take care of itself. It will take care of itself. We're not designed to to carry. You can't prepay the what you owe tomorrow today. You got you got to just do what's what's for today and then you carry it into tomorrow. You know? But you don't but you you deal with it tomorrow. You don't deal with it today. And there's something wonderful. I think when God causes night to fall, I think he causes the night to fall and it's a symbol to say, you know what? Shut your computer off, shut your stuff off, shut your brain off, enjoy your family. Seriously, go have a nice meal, have sex with your spouse, and get a good night's sleep and call it blessing. You know? Okay. That's how how you have a sustainable life and you don't end up burned out. Third, um, take great risks and do hard things. What big things are you attempting right now? I mean, seriously. What big things are you attempting right now? What's in your life right now where you're going, oh, man, I don't know if this is going to (laughs) work. Think about that. Because if it's like, nah, everything is kind of cool, then you're probably bored. And a little bit of boredom isn't bad, but boredom is what causes us to go to all these things that just kind of subside our boredom in the digital age. But let me ask you, what big things are you attempting right now that really mean a lot, that are meaningful? And what hard things can you do? Can you imagine how many books you would read? You could read if you didn't, if you weren't on the internet as much as you were. How many books could you read if you weren't on Facebook or you weren't on these other kinds of sites? What could you learn to become more marketable if you ignored all the emails that people sent to you that were about nothing or about Donald Trump, you know? Oh, look at this. If you ignored that and you said, you know what, I don't have time for that stuff. And most of the time, honestly, like people don't, really care. They just forward stuff on. They don't expect to respond. They, they won't even know half the time if you dumped it. But what are you doing for yourself? And that really, that really leads me to the final thought here. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is about having a full life, guys. Of course there's redemption, but there's recreation. There's, there's all the stuff that comes with that. Because right before that verse, he says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And I think that one of, part of stealing, killing, and destroying is neutralizing. Just, t- just just sucking the life out of us, you know? And I just want to challenge you with this. Can you just, can we all, like, can you go home today or, and sometime, and I know, oh, I'm so busy, and I got this, and I got this. I understand you're busy. Can you just stop for a moment? Can you just stop? Turn everything off. Turn all of your crud off. What if someone calls me? That's their problem. Shut everything off and just ask the question, God, why did you put me here? Am I doing the things that reflect the fact that I know why you put me on the planet? Is the time that I'm spending being spent towards moving me for the things that you made me to do? You just stop and ask God that because that's not a five-minute answer. That that, that causes some soul-searching. And your mind might really start thinking about these big things, and you might be tempted to run back into the shallow end. Get rid of the shallow end. That's where Satan wants you to stay. Satan wants you to stay in the shallow end where it's safe. Doesn't want you to deal with the deep and the heavy and the rich and the wonderful things, the things that, that remind you of God, the things that remind you of beauty, the things that remind you of why you're here. Satan doesn't want you to do those things. Satan doesn't want you to feel a sense of fulfillment. He wants you to basically get intoxicated with minutia. So you'll be ineffective. The truth is some of us aren't letting the life that Jesus offers into our lives in the first place. And it's a scary thing. I remember this guy, and it's kind of a sad story. I mean, it's a cool story, but a sad story. There's a guy who's like 32 years old, and he was dying of terminal cancer or something like that, terminal disease. And it was right before the Star Wars movie came out, and, the, uh, and so he was like, hey, I really want to see Star Wars before I die. And so J.J. Um, Abrams worked it out. It was kind of cool because they brought an uncut, you know, or rough cut version, so he could watch it in his home, and probably made him sign on these forms, like, "Don't tell anybody about the movie." But anyway, so it was like, "Oh, this is so cool that his, he got his dying wish of of watching Star Wars." I thought, yeah, that was kind of cool. But at the same time, like, uh, can we really think about that? Like, dude, you're gonna die, and and you're consumed with a movie. Like, you're gonna die and all you can think about is watching a movie. Like we got something seriously wrong with ourselves here. And I don't I think I don't I think God made us for more. That's all I'm saying. So my challenge to you is man God has made you for so much more. Can you can you find some time this week to go God, you know what? Can I do an audit of, of how I'm spending my time and what it, where my attention is going and where my energy is going, physically, mentally, or wherever else, and say, God, am I using it to my full capacity? Can I get to the end of the day and be like you and say, man, I rocked it today. I kicked some butt. I pushed hard. I got some stuff done. Man, it feels good. That's my challenge to you today. Let's pray. God, thank you for the fact that you made us to, uh, to, um, to do things that are supposed to bring life to us energy and focus and concentration and God we just kind of collectively repent because in this incredible age that we live in with so many options and choices God we've kind of numbed ourselves in a lot of ways to, to things that are, are meaningful and God I pray that as we seek to follow you and I know there's some here who don't even know you the first step is realizing that they've been redeemed so that they can be people that do things that will last for all of eternity The first step is to know you and to follow you, to surrender to you, not just to keep going our own way. But God, help us to become people who become excellent at all that we do for you. And God, may you you prevent us from, when we say it's no big deal or we act like it's kind of not a moral issue, but God, we have an incredible capacity to waste precious, precious time, time that we don't have, God, take us out of the shallow end. Throw us, throw us hard into the deep end. Stretch us. Move us. Cause us to be people who can really look back and say, wow, look what I was able to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.